0: This is a podcast from thebuglepodcast.com The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello buglers and welcome to what is sadly only a sub bugle this week week beginning Monday the 5th of May 2014 Mr John Oliver is preoccupied with his new HBO show last week tonight in which he aims to become the man Ann Coulter always dreamed of being, re-establish British rule in America, wangle himself a gig as stadium announcer for the New York Murgatroids in the 2015 National Hopscotch League season, and become the new face of Chanel. So instead, we have a supplementary Alterno Bugle featuring a special beginning of May quiz to test your knowledge of the history of the first few days of one of the year's most famous months. Plus, another delve once more into the Bugle archives, the only archives worth using in this day and age, I'm sure you'll agree, to find out what happened this week in Bugle history, including from three years ago, the sadly belated death of little Nigel Naughty himself, Osama Bin Laden. But let's begin our look back at human history, as charted by the Bugle, by returning to the first May we ever chronicled, May 2008.
1: Top story in this week's Bugle Beach Party, China. And there is a time in the not-too-distant future when China is going to be the one and only story. And when that is the case, Andy, I want to be ready. So this week, I say not only hello and welcome to the bugle, I also say... Hua ha huang da qi ha. China announced this week that it intends to increase its military spending by 18% to 417.8 billion yuan. That's a lot of yuan. In fact... That's $59 billion worth of yuan. So now you know it's a lot of yuan rather than just assuming it
0: was because it sounded like a lot. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a lot of money uh, to people like you and me, John, but we don't have our own private army and therefore we spend commensurately less on our defence budgets. But it's still quite a fair whack. This uh, around about $60 billion and America has complained that the real figure is actually around twice that. America itself actually only spends a fraction of what China forks out... Uh, is that the right term? Chop, chopsticks mm. out on That's its right. military. Uh, just a fraction of what China spends, America spends, uh, quite a big fraction. Uh, in fact, quite a big collection of fractions. About 20 halves, in fact, of China's uh, spending. So America is leading from the front, telling uh, China off about its defence spending, very much like a naked Catholic priest diving into a crowded paddling pool, t- telling everyone to leave the children alone.
1: That's right, the US military budget last year was $440 billion. So let's just check the maths on that. They're angry at China spending $59 billion, yet the US spends $440 billion a year. Um, No, that can't be right. I mean, that that sounds ridiculous. I must have made a miscalculation with the figures there, Andy. My mistake. If those figures were true, the Pentagon would be massive (laughs) hypocrites. And I know they're not that, so the fault must be mine. Tell you what, I'll crunch these numbers again and I'll get back to you. Just before this announcement, the U.S. had released a statement criticizing China's military spending. That's like taking criticism for eating too much from someone who has five donuts wedged in their mouth. In fact, I can't say for sure that that statement about military
0: spending was not issued by someone who did have five donuts wedged in their mouth. Well, that, that's how the Pentagon give most of their statements nowadays. It's just to just take the edge off things. Try to distract the world from the impending doom by, by looking at someone with five donuts in their mouth. Also in China, police uh, in the south of the country have apparently discovered a factory which has been manufacturing free Tibet flags, completely unaware. The factory workers claimed they thought they were just making happy, colourful flags and didn't yeah. realise their deep political meaning. Uh, as Aristotle himself said, one man's colourful flag is another man's desperate plea for international humanitarian and political support. It's... Such a fine line.
1: I'm sure, Andy, that the Chinese police recognised that this was an honest mistake, and I'm sure that they're laughing about it now, back at the precinct, over the howling screams of the factory owner. <laughs> I tell you what you do not want to get caught with in China at the moment, Andy, and that is a box full of Tibetan flags. I- I'm pretty sure there's no worse thing to be caught with in a box. If I was a Chinese factory owner, which I nearly am, i just need to wait for the paperwork to go through... I would make absolutely sure that what we were producing was not Tibetan flags. Even if I did have no idea what Tibetan flags look like, that would be my first and only question when taking any job. We need you to produce 200,000 shower nozzles. Okay. And these shower nozzles are definitely not Tibetan flags. No, they're shower nozzles. Okay, you have yourself a deal. But it was good to be sure.
0: Before we move on to May 2009, here is question one in the beginning of May quiz. Pencils up. Pay attention. Who first met in early May 1904? Was it A, Rolls and Royce, Charles Rolls and Henry Royce bumped into each other at a party when they were both running up and down the upstairs landing making vroom vroom noises. The rest is needlessly expensive history. Was it B, Bill Medley and Jennifer Warns? The music sparks flew so intensely at the meeting of these two pop meteors that they had to be cryogenically frozen for 81 years before being released to record their mega hit, I've Had the Time of My Life, which has recently been officially sanctioned as the global anthem that will be played whenever Earth plays another planet at sport. Was it C, Mickey and Minnie Mouse? They had a torrid affair in the back of a food cupboard, apparently, before they each got tired of each other defecating and urinating all over the place and nibbling stuff. Or was it D, me and John? And you have one second to complete your answer. The answer is A, Rolls and Royce. You could also have had E, Czech composer Antonin Dvorak and the Grim Reaper we would always been a big fan of the Czech maestro and sneaked in to see him do a secret recital, lifelong ambition for the reaper, but of course, in doing so, he unwittingly killed Svorak at the age of 63. On now to early May 2009 in the Bugle archives, and this... So that's the week beginning uh, Monday, May the 4th, 2009. Uh, If we'd been recording this exactly 383 years ago, John, in 1626 and you'd been recording it uh, where you are now uh, on Manhattan Island, you'd been interrupted by a load of Dutch guys landing on Manhattan Island saying, we'll have that, we'll bloody have that, and we'll have that as well. A little Dutch explorer Peter Minuit would have got his wallet out and said to you, hey kid, what say I buy this little island off you? How about you shut up with your jokes and your quips and we can reach a little arrangement? Do you get my drift? I get the island, you get... Hang on, let me see, let me count it out. $24. We got a deal? Let me answer that kid. Yes, we have a deal. Nobody takes on the Mighty Dutch. Not with this accent. 24 bucks, kid. Now go back to Britain and buy something nice for that lovely queen of yours. What, Elizabeth? Yeah, that's the one. She died 23 years ago. She did? I've been had by that girl I saw last week. Andy, the way you said Mighty Dutch made it sound like the Mighty Ducks. Well, that's where they came from. Estevez's finest moments on celluloid. That's where the New York accent comes from, from the Dutch. Whereas the Dutch accents... As mutated over the subsequent 400 years The New York accent is in fact how the Dutch used to speak (laughs) So imagine Rembrandt talking He would have spoken like a New York Jew Do you like my painting? (laughs) Paint here, paint there, what are you going to (coughs) do? My face is getting old Of course John 30 years ago today, the 4th of May 1979 A darkness descended over Britain Casting gloom across the entire nation From the tip of Cornwall to the top of Scotland Enveloping the entire country In a smothering, lightless pall As a long night began well, in fact it was just the standard end of your average day really your basic night time <laughs> but coincidentally on that same day Mrs Thatcher became Prime Minister mm. read into that what you will also 12 years since the Labour Party marched into Downing Street with a big smile on its face and exactly one year from now they will march back out again with a big <laughs> smile on their face and just as 12 years ago both the Labour Party and the nation will join arms and say thank f*** that's over As always, some sections of the Bugle going straight in the bin, even though the bin is especially disinfected this week. This week in the bin, part one of the Bugle Audio World Atlas. This week's uh, audio map, South America. Big and wide at the top, but on a bit of a slant, then tapering off to a pointy bit at the bottom. (laughs) South America has a few knobbly bits sticking out than, for example, Europe, one of its rivals as a continent, and it is the world's most aerodynamic continent. From space, it looks a bit like a tapir wearing a turban. Next week, Antarctica.
1: Obama news now, and Obama has been in power for 100 days, which uh, I believe means he gets a card from the Queen. Uh, (laughs) I think that's right. Uh, The odd stick of 100 days was first suggested by FDR and has now haunted every president since. Uh, For the first month, at least, Obama could happily ride the... Not being President Bush train, and what a train that was. (laughs) It's still not a bad train, but now he does need something more. And one thing he may need to work on is luck, because in just 100 days, he's been dealt some pretty rough cards. A global economic meltdown, and now a borderline pandemic. He may want to get a different rabbit's foot to carry around, because the one he's got looks like it went bad after it got him elected. As a congratulations present on his 99th day, Andy, Arlen Spectre of the Republicans wrapped himself up in a bow and defected to the Democrats, <laughs> thus potentially handing them the filibuster-proof majority that they want. Once, Minnesota finally accepts that the 2008 election is over and decides on a senator. (laughs) And the news here went crazy. And you know how excitable they get when nothing happens. So imagine how they react when something actually does. Usually, they're the boys who cry wolf. And Wolf Blitzer on CNN (laughs) is the wolf who cries news every afternoon.
0: (laughs) News! News! There's some news outside! Oh, ignore Wolf. He just wants attention. (laughs) It does mean, though, John, that uh, Obama has now become the first black president to serve 100 days. Oh, wow, I hadn't so even thought of that. So it's yet That's... another milestone for the young man. He's really doing incredible things, isn't he, with the amount of days he's in power. Yep. Has, uh, has cynicism set in yet in America? His poll numbers are still pretty positive. He's had the odd howler, Obama, hasn't he? Mostly in appointing people who hadn't told him about their own howlers. But at least his <laughs> yeah. howlers do not happen every single time he opens his mouth. And That's I think right. that is the real step forward. The bar still seems so low. <laughs>
1: I'm sure he'll disappoint soon. Uh, but the a media had all claimed that Spectre's defection was a seismic event in Washington. One even said that the ground was literally shaking underneath my feet. <laughs> that, I think, was not true. And, you know, if it was true, it was almost certainly not connected to the story they were supposed to be reporting <laughs> on. <laughs> It's a news tornado here in DC, a tornado I tell you, picking up the cow of history and slamming it through the windshield of America's truck. I've lost all sense of perspective, back to you in the studio.
0: Well, there you go. It's time for question two in our early May quiz. What was first published in early May 1611? Was it A, the King James Bible, topped these 17th century bestseller charts, of course, the uh, King James conclusively establishing Jesus' reputation as a well-educated British man with a strangely formal way of speaking? Was it B, the alternative King James Bible, hot on the heels of the official King James Bible, a hilarious parody featuring a Jesus whose miracles kept going wrong, and a hell of a lot of needless swearing? Was it C, Shakespeare's flop buddy comedy, Hamlet and Othello Get the Munchies? Or was it D, The Joy of Plague, How to Make the Most of Your Agonising Death? One second to answer. Correct, the answer was also A the King James Bible super little tone That's if that is your bag on now to early May 2010 when Britain was in the grip of election fever admittedly it was not the most contagious of fevers and mostly just meant people wanted to lie in bed with the curtain shut and not have to interact with the outside world so much like any other fever I guess
1: countdown to Votageddon <laughs> British democracy is back from the dead Andy that is for sure it's punched its way out of the grave like Uma Thurman in Kill Bill and is now wandering the streets more powerful than ever or at least more powerful than any time in the last 10 years. <laughs> Where once the fear was that turnout could be around 50%, now surely we can dare to dream that two in three people may actually vote. And I tell you what we have to thank for this, Andy, the same thing we have to thank for game shows and omelette whisk infomercials, television. <laughs> Who'd have thought the TV debates would have shaken British democracy to its extremely dusty foundations. <laughs> I think was, what's become clear from across the pond, Dandies, is that Clegg has gained the most. Cameron has lost some of the mathematical inevitability that he had coming into the campaign, largely due to making the mistake of occasionally saying things he actually believes. <laughs> and Brown hasn't really lost anything, as he didn't really have anything to lose in the first place. <laughs> it's like a man sitting in an empty house. There's only so much a burglary can hurt him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, the final uh, Prime Ministerial debate took place uh, last night, uh, Thursday, as we record here, on Friday, uh, just six days away from Votageddon, and mm. the entire future of Britain, John, the nation, the business, the brand was on the line as the public sat down in front of their TV sets in eager anticipation before realising they were watching the wrong channel and switching over to watch Britain's stupidest teacher or <laughs> shoot me I'm a poop, or my aunt thinks Hitler was a horse or whatever else was on before checking the news headlines at 10 o'clock to find out who'd won, apparently, and therefore who deserves to own Britain. And uh, frankly, John, I think the reaction from most people has be- has be- is that the novelty has now worn off. After three, After three debates, yeah, it was pretty dull last night. Democracy was fun for the first debate, John. It was okay for the second, and it's now a bit passe right by the third. And you know, I'm more more than averagely tolerant of uh, democracy, but this was like having concentrated bullshit milkshake blasted <laughs> into your face at point blank range. Uh, I lasted about eleven minutes of what had been billed as one of the most significant moments in our democratic history before I started thinking. What was wrong with the old system of just voting for who your father told you to vote for? It never did Britain any harm. (laughs) Uh, But the whole point, Andy, of having three debates is that you're supposed to learn in
1: PR terms as you go. So you you look down the camera, you try and smile more, you try and engage with the viewer. (laughs) Now, by the third debate, at least one of them should have realised the key to winning televised elections is the T-shirt cannon. (laughs) It just takes one of them, Andy, just to pull it out and say, say to the assembled crowd, who wants a free T-shirt? Everyone will go crazy, just start (laughs) unloading T-shirts into the crowd. Everyone's going to think, look at that, he gives out T-shirts. I want You can have it on your bus, just an open-top bus, just shooting T-shirts around key marginal constituencies. (laughs) I'm telling you, it'll work.
0: People love T-shirts. Yeah, but it was was one of these 76 rules that they had, governing this debate. No T-shirt cannons. No nut grabs. What about T-shirt machine guns? (laughs) No, that is definitely out. Right. That is definitely out. And no cross-dressing. All of those three. Not allowed. Um, In in summary, though, for those of you who didn't uh, didn't see it, um, all three leaders are basically in favour of getting the economy moving, which is good, I guess. Right. So it looks like that crisis is is going to be averted whoever wins. Uh, They don't really like each other. That much came across. And they're also not afraid of repeating stuff. They've said over and over again, word for word, until the nation just gives in and votes. And um, Cameron has been criticised for crapping on kind of nebulously about change a bit too Mm -hmm. much in this campaign. And to be fair, he did rein himself in a bit last night. Change was only the 11th word that he said. So he held it back quite a lot longer than usual. Wow. And um, he also pulled off a clever sublim- subliminal trick To emphasise the need for change By doing a rapid off-screen costume change Between each question Although wow. um, he, he didn't really notice it Because he changed into 12 versions of the same suit and tie That he'd been wearing at the start So the change was barely perceptible Did that reveal something, John? No, because it didn't happen But if it had happened, yeah. it might have revealed something And that's that's the most important thing to remember
1: now, Corn Brown has had an undeniably bad week, culminating in him being overheard on a live microphone calling an old lady a bigot, having just had a conversation with her that suggested nothing of the sort. Now, calling a member of the electorate a lifelong Labour voter, no less, a bigot, is probably even worse than when John Prescott actually punched a voter <laughs> in the face. It's even worse than that. The thing is that in isolation, probably isn't that terrible. It's just that it plays into a widely held belief Gordon Brown hates people. Now, if he doesn't hate them, he certainly has an active dislike for them. He'd have been a great 19th century politician, Andy, when you could govern from a wood-panelled room with a fireplace in
0: it and you never had to touch any peasants. <laughs> That's right. But well, he has been handicapped in this campaign by things like the invention of television and yeah. the invention of photography and the development of human speech. And it, they've all kind of conspired against him and he's struggled to convey his very important message of yes, we're f- But we'll be even more f***ed if you vote for these losers. Ah, happy times. Question three now. In early May 1640, King Charles I of England dissolved what was known as the Short Parliament. But what was the Short Parliament? Was it A, three weeks of stroppy parliamentary squabbling about how much pocket money to let King Charles have, which... Might explain why Charles himself ended up one head short of the full monarch nine years later. Was it B, a short-lived democratic experiment in which MPs were restricted to a maximum height of five foot three inches tall? It was thought at the time that being tall made people unnecessarily cocky to the detriment of their political effectiveness. However, the short parliament soon became inundated with chirpy, cheeky-chappy banter and never got anything done. Was it C... The Short Parliament was Charles's nickname for his plonker. He thought his Captain Trousarius looked like Big Ben, and he loved wearing loose-fitting shorts with no underwear. Hence, his royal protuber became known as the Short Parliament. He accidentally dissolved it in a jar of sulfuric acid that his long-term adversary, Oliver Cromwell, had labelled as Perkinson's soothing wang barman, given to him as a Valentine's present. Or was it D, an avant-garde prog rock band that Charles was the bass guitarist in? He wanted to be lead singer, but unfortunately his voice sounded like a rap- by chanting a prayer about chainsaws. As king and therefore owner of the record label, he split the band up. One second to answer. The answer was again A. And we're on to 2011 now, and the not very widely mourned involuntary death of one of the 21st century's most tedious dickheads, marked by the birth of arguably the finest word in the English Dictionary, or technically not yet in the English Dictionary.
1: Top story this week: Ding dong, the c- is dead. But a boom, 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 another c- bites the dust. Shot in the eye, and you're to blame. You give c- a bad name. This is not so much a tribute episode to Bin Laden as a special c- eulogy to the big man. <laughs>
0: Andy Andy, I'm glad you enjoyed that (laughs) Yeah I did thoroughly enjoy it I expect to see that in a dictionary near me Within two years
1: (laughs) Andy You ended the last bugle by saying that after the royal wedding The world had nothing to look forward to anymore And while yes Saturday in itself was quite boring, apart from Chelsea tightening the gap on the Premiership (laughs) title race. You have to admit that Sunday really delivered, (laughs) what with that whole killing of the most wanted terrorist on the planet thing. That's right. Osama Bin Laden, the former leader of Al-Qaeda and former living inhabitant of the planet Earth, was forced to surrender both of those titles around the time that a bullet developed a very strong attraction to his face. And he was a tall, handsome man, Bin Laden, Andy, but I have to admit that I always thought that he'd, look, he'd have looked even better if he'd considered getting his left eyebrow pierced <laughs> with a bullet. And I think I was right about that. I think his face was successfully accessorised with a piece of high-speed... Pointy
0: metal jewellery. <laughs> <laughs> it's a f- funny old world, though, isn't it, John? Because last week, most wanted man in the world. This week, a seriously malfunctioning submarine. <laughs> 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 And, uh, and fish food. So, yeah, it, it just it just goes to show upon a slender thread. So, um, you know, he's gone from, uh, you know, he's the leader of the world's most tedious minority interest pressure group, the man five times voted least cuddlable dude by Touchy Feely Monthly magazine, the man commonly known as the Rowdy Saudi, Terry the Terrorist, the Mighty Douche, the torah Bora Law Ignorer, and the Angry Turnip. He had his clogs forcibly popped by American Special Forces. And I do wish that Barack Obama had used those words. Yeah, absolutely. We have popped his clogs. (laughs) (laughs) It it certainly
1: feels like a much more pleasant globe to live on this week without Bin Laden living on it too. It's like when a terrible neighbour moves away and property prices in adjacent properties automatically go up. By dying, Bin Laden has effectively gentrified this entire planet. (laughs) To prove this, upon news of his death, the stock market went up and oil prices went down, as if collectively everyone agreed that things had just got slightly better, as if the world breathed a sigh of relief and together muttered, oh good, that is good. Now, I don't know where you were when you found out, Andy, I'm guessing you were asleep, but uh, i just finished watching 60 Minutes and was checking in with the Mets-Phillies game when it became clear that something very important was about to happen and the president was going to address the nation. and After watching him announce that America had successfully located and killed bin Laden, I started watching the news, and then I flicked through the channels a couple of hours later to see that the Mets were still playing the Phillies. (laughs) It was the 14th inning, and they had resumed the game, and most of the crowd was still there. And not only were they still there, they were watching the game with complete concentration. And I've got to say, as a sports fan, I find that so impressive. Remember, this is a meaningless game at the start of May between one team which will challenge for the World Series and one that will not make the playoffs. To care about that at all is a challenge. To care about that when it's just been announced that bin Laden has been killed is Incredible. <laughs> the CIA's most wanted man has literally just been assassinated, and you are rooting for Raul Ibanez to get a base hit. <laughs> I think my favourite reaction from all this actually came from the Mets manager after the game because you know people in sports just cannot help themselves but speaking cliches, and that's never more exposed than in moments of deep, genuine significance. And in the post-game press conference, Terry Collins said this. He said, <clears throat> well, this is a good win for us and obviously a huge win for America tonight. (laughs) He should have carried on that thought. You know, I think America really answered the critics tonight. Many have said that, you know, to go on a nine-year streak of not killing Bin Laden was a slump we were never going to get out of. But I, for one, had nothing but faith in us as a team and uh, I knew if we just kept swinging, kept focused, we'd get that hit. As for the future, who knows what that holds. I'm just concentrating on a home series against the Giants next week. Thank you. No questions. (laughs)
0: I think I as well that Al Qaeda had a press conference in which they said, Well, there's a lot of positives we could take away from this. Obviously, we're disappointed <laughs> to lose Aussie, but uh, we'd like to see it more as an opportunity for someone else to step up to the plate and deliver.
1: Of course, the best place to have heard the news would undoubtedly have been Tampa, Florida, in the middle of the crowd of a live WWE wrestling event. <laughs> How do I know this? That's a fair question. Because I saw a clip on YouTube of a shirtless John Cena addressing the Tampa crowd to deliver the news at the end of a bout, saying, I'm extremely proud after 10 months of being your WWE champion. I walk out every night with hustle, loyalty, and respect on my sleeve. It's worth pointing out that at that point, he was sleeveless. (laughs) He went... He, he went. He went on I to mean, say, "Not the names of his dogs tattooed onto his arm." <laughs> no, no, no. The the president has just announced. He went on to say that we have caught and compromised to a permanent end Osama bin Laden. <laughs> Andy, that is magnificent rhetoric from the four time tag team champion, inventor of the twisting belly to belly suplex, and self styled doctor of thugonomics. In fact. All of those things are true. In fact, if I'm honest, I prefer what John Cena said to the president's speech. (laughs) Courts and compromise to a permanent end, that is linguistically sensational. (laughs) In fact, that phrase is not all that the president should have borrowed. I think he should also have walked into the East Room of the White House and said... I walk out every night with hustle, loyalty and respect on my sleeve. I think he should also have done that shirtless in a pair of cut-off jeans, holding a wide microphone before leaving to rock music and fireworks. I don't think anyone would have begrudged him that.
0: And that was that. And question five now, a simple one. this, Why was there no question four? Please answer that in fewer than 2,000 words. And so on to 2012, early May 2012. And, well, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know... So this was a year on from early May 2011, uh, which meant that Bin Laden was still dead and had been dead for one year. But not only have they found uh, his last words, but also the US government this week has released a computer simulation of Bin Laden's Final Thoughts. As a conscious human being, and we at the Bugle have got exclusive access to this exclusive coverage of bin Laden's final conscious thoughts.
2: Oh well, Summer, the game is up. I, the self-styled rowdy saudi, the Torah Bora Lorignora, I'm done for. Slice me into soldiers and dip me in an egg. (laughs) I am toast. Just a few moments to assess what I've done with my life. There are so many things I haven't done I really wanted to do. I never quite fully got round to destroying America and all it stands for. Oh no, that was career goal A, hey, I haven't even come close. Maybe with hindsight I could have gone about it differently. The whole acts of mass violence perpetrated on the innocent stick didn't really catch Western public imagination. Still, if I've learned one thing from that it is, never trust a focus group. <laughs> or at least... Never trust a focus group made up entirely of Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. <laughs> Live and learn. Maybe we should have tried to convert people door to door, Jehovah's Witness style. Hello, have you ever thought about him? Discriminate slaughter, institutionalized misogyny, and destruction of civilization as we know it? Okay, I see you're busy right now. Should I come back next week? There's no need to slam that door in my <laughs> face. Ah, hindsight, schmeinsight. Never got around to wiping his head off the face of the globe either. Never fulfilled my lifetime ambition of breaking the 755 mile an hour barrier on a unicycle. I guess when I look back at things, I have to say, I've never been very good at setting achievable goals. Oh well, that's the 21st century for you, I guess. So hard to make time for your career these days, particularly when you've got a wife and kids. And even more particularly when you got six wives and 22 kids like I have. <laughs> silly, silly, Aussie. I shouldn't have burdened myself with such a big family if I wanted to be so focused on my own career. How was I supposed to destroy the West, Israel, and capitalism if every other f***ing weekend... Birthday party! Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's genetics. I'm like my dad. 22 <laughs> wives, 57 children. An indecisive man... But a randy one. <laughs> Maybe I've been in the terrorism game too long. Should have moved jobs. I could do loads of other stuff. Sure, I'm getting on a bit, but I have I have proven organizational and communication skills. People might quibble with what I've organized and communicated, but still, a good employer should look beyond that. <laughs> ah, my lifestyle has felt so restricted recently. My life insurance premiums are absolutely f***ing ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> They're cocking their triggers. Man, I could really do with some quality me time right now. There must be a way out of this. Think, Ozzy, think. Ah, oh, shit, these aren't real wings. I'm never buying anything off eBay again. Right, come on, summit. At least go down with some unforgettable last words. Death to the south. No, just kidding me, West. Oh, you guys. No, I want something people are going to remember for eternity to look back on in centuries to come and say what an unbelievable thing for a man to say as he departed this world. Something like there was an old man from Nantucket who dangled his bolt in a bucket. No, 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 that's not really me, is it? <laughs> I got it. Don't shoot me, I'm allergic to lead. If you shoot me, it's health and safety violation. No, <laughs> oh, it might work. Right, go down Defiant or summer. Looking at where they're aiming, this is going to be at best a career-ending eye injury. <laughs> Clear your head now. One final thought. Oh, oh dear, no, no, I cannot die with this in my head I can't <laughs> die with this tune in my head I, Osama bin Laden, the baddest bastard in the world Can't die with this tune going around my head Why now? I gotta stop watching kids TV And good comes out of this, it's that Bloody western infidels Think of some, think of another tune think of-, think of any other tune Think of something else Oh dear, yeah. I can die to this Actually, no, no, I don't really like moving it that much No, 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 no something else, something else <laughs> That's completely inappropriate. No, no, no. Grudging respect, but... Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, that's even worse. No, I'll take Fifi in the flowers. I'll take Fifi in the flowers. Okay, that, that will have to do. Okay, I, I'll reconcile myself with that. Okay, one final conscious thought before meeting my presumably quite unimpressed maker.
0: Oh,
2: Pepper. Oh, Pepper wanna be wife number seven? What oh, way are you firing that? What way are you firing that thing? It's my house! Oh, not a squeaky duck! Have you no compassion? Oh, I'm gonna miss you too, squeaky. Uh,
0: him! Yes, that's out!
2: What are you doing here?
1: What, Andy For a start This this is for you For me what John What scoop For me What a d- scoop Congratulate no. the Pentagon They're the ones that got it What well, You got hold of it Andy well, I, got hold I don't of know it, how yeah. you did it I'm guessing the fact You, you did
0: get it Is a huge crime yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is Me and Condoleezza Rice Go back a long way <laughs> now seems a good time to move on to question six in the early May quiz. In early May 1871, the first professional baseball league began with the catchy acronym NAPBBP. But which of the following teams actually appeared in that league? Was it A, Mrs. Elizabeth Resolutes? Was it B, the strange men of St. Louis? Was it C, the Brooklyn Wingers? D, the Oklahoma Cat Drowners? E, the Florence Nightingales? Or F, the Tampa Bay Schmucks? Answer, one second. It was A, the Elizabeth Resolutes, admittedly without the misses on the front. And so we're on to last year, 2013, when it turned out that the FBI had been using rather old-school methods of paying Hamid Karzai his secret pocket money.
1: CIA have got bags of money news now! (laughs) And uh, it emerged this week that tens of millions of US dollars in cash were delivered to the office of Afghanistan President Hamid Karzai for over a decade, dropped off in suitcases, backpacks, and plastic shopping bags. <sighs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with a plan like that, Andy, oh, other than absolutely everything? I mean, your potential <laughs> failure rate is only, you know, an impressively meager 100%. How. How could that scheme be flawed when you're handing those bags of unmarked money to a country whose two main exports are heroin and sadness? (laughs) How could it not work?
0: Uh, Karzai told reporters um, that the Office for National Security has been receiving support for the past ten years. Not a big amount, he said. A small amount. (laughs) And this is where the words get really interesting. Which has been used for, quotes, various purposes. Now... When Hamid calls says money's been put to various purposes. That should set alarm bells ringing, like at the World <laughs> Campanology Championships. That is, that, that, he said the assistance has been very useful, and we are thankful to them for it. Well, oh, that's
1: nice. Yeah, that's,
0: that's
1: nice. Uh, that's lovely, isn't it? Absolutely the,
0: lovely. Uh, the money, was, the money was supposed
1: to buy influence for the CIA, but instead, and you, you're not going to believe this, Andy, it apparently fueled corruption and empowered warlords and undermined any attempted US exit strategy. Or as they described those three things in Afghanistan, Wednesday. Uh, but these these bags of cash demonstrate a clear new strategy for the US and Afghanistan, Andy. Rather than just throwing money at the problem, they've moved on to dropping money near the problem <laughs> instead. So let's not claim that their strategies have not evolved. Now I caught co- According to Khalil Roman, who was Karzai's chief of staff, and I imagine literally also his bag man, uh, according to him, the Afghans called it ghost money, saying, we called it ghost money, it came in secret, and it left in secret. And that's not ghost money, Andy. That's ninja money. (laughs) Silently arriving, silently leaving, completely untraceable. Ghost money is something that disappears before repeatedly coming back to haunt you. Uh, Do you know what? He's right. It was ghost money. (laughs) And Hamid Karzai actually called it something different, similar to what you heard, Andy. He called that money multi purpose assistance, which is like the kind of euphemism that a massage parlor would give for a hand job. <laughs> uh, it. It's apparently got so bad that an American official stated this week that the biggest source of corruption in Afghanistan was the United States, and that is big praise, Andy, because almost any single object in Afghanistan is a potential source of corruption. (laughs) Somehow, even their boulders are on the take. (laughs)
0: And that brings us right up to date. And also brings us to the final question of the early May quiz. Question 7 in early May, 1865. What happened for the first time ever in the USA? Was it A, the first train robbery on American soil? At North Bend near Cincinnati in Ohio, a gang of naughty little blighters stole hundreds of thousands of bucks worth of loot. Whilst apparently saying things like, hey, no one's ever done this before. This is kind of cool. Is there a buffet car? Uh, was it B, for the first time ever, someone shouted, USA, USA, and whooped before shouting, Go Lincoln, go Lincoln. A bit inappropriate at the man's funeral. Uh, was it C, the first ever jet ski ride, a steam-powered jet ski, travelled at 1.5 miles an hour in Chesapeake Bay, designed, of course, by the Polish immigrant and entrepreneur, Slobyslaw jet Jetski after whom the vehicle was, of course, eventually named. Or was it, D, the first recorded use of the term, too soon? was on the 5th of May, the evening after Lincoln's funeral, in the game of Shiraz to try and lighten the mood at the White House. New President Andrew Johnson opened up, and people reacted to his mimes by saying, three words, it's a play, too soon, AJ, too soon. The answer, in one second, A, yes, all of the answers were... Uh, Apart from questions four and five. If you got them all right, you have won the right to vote in every single election around the world for the next five years. But you do have to take your own pencil. So, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, sub-bugle. We will hopefully, almost definitely, be back with... Uh, hopefully, definitely. Uh, Bugle 268 next week. In the meantime, if you are coming to my Satirist for Hire show in Edinburgh... Uh, 13th to the 24th of August at the Stand in London... At the Soho Theatre in September... Or on my UK tour from September through to December... Do email your satirical requests... To this at com With a date and venue of the show you're coming to... And your beef with the world... Plus any supporting material you feel may be relevant... Or if you're not coming, whether through reasons of geography, principle, religious devotion, or simply a lifelong hatred of me, my work and everything I stand for, do email anyway with the kind of thing you think you might have wanted me to talk about, had you been asked or able to come to the show. Don't forget to check out our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash the hyphen bugle. Send your emails to infothebuglepodcast.com, follow the Twitter feed Hello Buglers, which has been a little bit dormant of late. And we as I say we'll be back next week, hopefully. Certainly, probably, with Bugle 268. Until then, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way in this series we discuss lime bikes teslas the london overground and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety god what a hot sell this is i mean you 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 must be so excited listen now